1: the church. Petty arguments. Pride. Tribal stuff. All these little clans, little click, These clicky things. Division kills the church. Friction between church members. Friction between church members and leadership. It can lead to division. When a church divides, Christ bleeds. We're his body. We're the body of Christ. And when a church divides, Christ bleeds.
0: Christ bleeds. In today's message, Pastor Dave will warn you about the number one thing that is destroying churches today, division. Division among the church and the world? No, division from within. Things like unresolved conflict, gossip, or cliques can truly be harmful to the life of any church. God calls us to unity in Christ. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 19 as he continues his message, Restored Again.
1: But there's only a chance they might not receive it. David received it. David received this. Let's read 9 through 14. Now all the people were in a dispute throughout all the tribes of Israel saying, the king saved us from the hand of our enemies. He delivered us from the hand of the Philistines and now he has fled from the land because of Absalom. But Absalom, who we anointed over us, has died in battle. Now therefore, why do you say nothing about bringing back the king? So King David sent Zadok and Abathar the priest saying, speak to the elders of Judah saying, why are you in the last place Why are you the last to bring the king back to this house, since the words of all of Israel have come to the king, to his very house? You are my brethren, you are my bone and flesh, then why are you the last to bring back the king? And say to Amasa, are you not my bone and my flesh? God do so to me, and more also, if you are not commander of the army before me continually in the place of Joab. So he swayed the hearts of all the men of Judah just as the heart of one man so that they sent his, this word to the king, return you and all your servants. God is restoring the nation together again. David is from the tribe of Judah. Naturally, most of them are on his side. That's what split the nation. Most of them are on his side. And some of Benjamin because it was Judah and Benjamin and then Israel, all of Israel, the other 10 tribes. But he was restoring David back to his rightful place. And the problem was that most of Israel followed Absalom. But now that he was dead, they had to bury their prejudices and their animosities towards David and recognize that he was still king. There had to be order once again. But this wouldn't be easy. They fell back in two nations. There was bickering and arguing. How come you're not doing this? How come you're not doing that? These nations should have reunited, sent an invitation to David to return him as a king. But no, their petty little arguments and their little things became ramped up to a big problem. David knew the difficulty that lay ahead, and he knew he must move quickly. When I read this, the only thing that came to my mind was, division kills the church. Division kills the church. Petty arguments. Pride. Pride. Tribal stuff, all these little clans, little click, these cliquey things. Division kills the church. Friction between church members, friction between church members and leadership. It can lead to division. When a church divides, Christ bleeds. We're his body. We're the body of Christ. And when a church divides, Christ bleeds. Christ bleeds. David makes Amasa the new commander of his army. Now, we're not sure if this was a direct hit to Joab because he killed Absalom. Maybe. But it was also a concession to those who had uh, Amasa as their commander. It was a concession. I'll make Amasa. So they're like, oh, yeah, well, wait a minute. He's getting Amasa up there. Maybe we, we 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 can do this. It was a good thing. What did it do? It helped David sway the people's heart towards him. This is also a good example of grace. David shows great grace to these people as he has before. David swayed the hearts of all the men in Judah and there were his kingdom. You're bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. What is interesting here is David doesn't force loyalty. David didn't say, hey, I'm king, you're not. Either follow me or die. He didn't force loyalty. He did not force loyalty. He didn't command it. One commentator I read likened this to our Lord Jesus. Now we said from time to time that David could be a type of Christ from various times. Listen to what one commentator said, quote, God will not force his reign on us. We must welcome his reign, and he will not force our heart response. Our hearts must be swayed by the work of the word of God and the Holy Spirit. So you see a picture here. David allowing the Holy Spirit to work in these men's heart and sway them towards him. He wasn't forcing allegiance. God will never force your allegiance either. He won't do it. He will not do it. So David is now ready to come into Jerusalem. He's got to cross over the river Jordan and go into the land. Let's read 18. Excuse me, I lied. How about 15 through 18? Yeah, there we are. Then the king returned and came to Jordan. And Judah came to Gilgal to meet with the king, to escort the king across the Jordan. And Shammai, the son of Gerah, a Benjamite, who was from Barahom, hurried and came down to the men of Judah to meet King David. There were a thousand men of Benjamin with him, and Ziba, the servant of the house of Saul, and his fifteen sons, and his twenty servants with him. And they went over the Jordan before the king. Then a furry bird went across and carried over the king's household, and to do what he thought good. David's coming And once again, we see David coming out of the depths of despair. He's coming out of the depths of despair, possibly the lowest point in his entire life. He's coming back. He's coming back to assume what was rightfully given to him by the Lord, which is the rightful crown of Israel. He was coming back to be king. He reenters the lands, and all of a sudden, several characters, and I use the word characters, from his past come back. They combat. The first person we meet is his old adversary Shimei, then Ziba and his fifteen sons and his twenty servants, all going with the king. You remember Shimei? Shimei was the guy that when they left, Shimei was the guy yeah, that when they left. Sorry, <laughs> Shimei. Shimei was the man that when they left Jerusalem, he was the one up on the hill cussing and throwing stones at David. You know, throwing things at him. Remember that? I love it. So Shammai comes back. So let's read 19 to 23. Now Shammai, the son of Gera, fell down before the king when he had crossed the Jordan. Then he said to the king, do not let my lord impute iniquity to me, or remember what wrong your servant did on the day that my lord, left, uh, lord king left Jerusalem, that the king should take it to heart. For I, your servant, know that I have sinned. Therefore, here I am the first to come to you from all the house of Joseph to go down and meet my lord the king. But Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, answered and said, Shall not Shammai be put to death for this? Because he cursed the Lord's anointed. And David said, What have I to do with you, you sons of Zeruiah, that you should be adversaries to me today? Shall any man be put to death today in Israel? For do I not know that today I am king over Israel? Therefore the king said to Shammai, You shall not die. And the king swore to him. So, Shammai. Shammai comes. Now, did Shammai throw those things and cuss at David because he thought Absalom would win? Possibly. But all of a sudden, he's turned a different tune. Now he knows that David is the true king, so he comes and he says the three hardest words in the English language. I have sinned. Now, I'm thinking about this. Did he say them like Fonzie used to say, I love you? He'd go "I." He uh, couldn't get the words out. Remember when Fonzi would try to say, "I love you to a girl," he'd go, I, uh. Is that what Shemai was doing? I, I, he said, "I sinned against you, David. I, I've sinned. I love that. Think about it. Every one of us has been in Shemai's shoes at one point or another. Every one of us has been in Shammai's shoes, especially in our Christian walk. There have been times when we've said something or done something that we should not have done, and we have easily offended someone. We know that what we did was wrong. We know the other person was offended. So what do we do? Well, the proverbial tennis ball is in our court. What do we do? It's our move. We can hope that they forget about the offensive words and the actions, or we can come to terms with the fact that we were wrong. What makes it even tougher is when we know we're 100% wrong. But it's time to walk up, fess up, own up, and say, I'm sorry, forgive me, I was wrong. This is very hard to do, because pride becomes a factor. Pride becomes a factor. You don't know if the person that you're apologizing to is going to accept your apology. You don't know what their answer is going to be. But this is where Shammai is right now. And now it's David's turn. Shammai prostrate himself in front of David. He puts them down on the ground, bows before him and says, King, I've sinned. I've sinned. David could have easily said, off with his head. Very easily. I mean, Abishai was ready. Right. He's going, come on, Lord. Come on. Let me get it. Abishai wanted to kill him the last time they met. Remember? Abishai couldn't wait. Some of those guys just wanted to swing that sword, man. They didn't care. Abishai wanted to do it. Let me kill him. David said, no way. David, remember what this guy said? He cursed at you with two stones. He wasn't swayed by Abishai's counsel to kill the man. And he wasn't swayed by Shammai's taunts and cursing either. Remember that. You have to remember Shammai's position, prostate before him, humbled himself. He was ready to receive whatever David was going to give him. He could have ran away. He could have bolted. He could have been long gone. But he came to David, willingly fell down before him. And seeing Shammai's repentance, what happened? David was moved with compassion. Likewise, we hope, when we make a mistake, I know you guys never make mistakes. I know that for a fact, so I can speak for myself. So the next five minutes when I make another mistake, and I come to you and ask forgiveness, I'm going to hope that you forgive me. I'm going to hope that you can forgive me. This is what we do. This this helps unity. This helps unity. When we take the lower road, this is all that Philippians 2 is about that Mark's been studying on Monday night. Philippians 2 is about Jesus taking the lower road. He came as a man, came as a man, and humbled himself even to death, death on a cross. He humbled himself. That's what it does. It takes humility to say, number one, you're wrong, and number two, ask for forgiveness. Very humbling experience, very humbling experience. I believe at this very moment that David's now fully focused once again on the Lord. Because I believe if David wasn't fully focused on the Lord, he would not act in this manner. If David wasn't fully focused on the Lord, instead being focused on revenge, he'd have said, Abishai. But no, David didn't do that. See, that's the thing about it. Is that's why we want to be fully focused on the Lord. So when that incident happens, and it may not happen to you, but it has happened to me, both sides. And if it happens, you want to be, hopefully that you can come in all humility and you can ask for forgiveness and you're going to hope that you're going to be received and forgiven and you're going to move on. I believe that David was fully, fully focused on the Lord. He believed that God was able to handle this guy. He was able that God was able to handle him and any situation that came up. It's almost like no matter what this guy has done, like we sang, no matter what he's done, I can forgive this guy. Can you forgive that person? No matter what they've done, can you forgive them? That's hard. That's hard. David saw men through some dark and scary times, but he knew God was able to work because God was faithful. And I'm sure David remembered God's forgiveness of his own sin. Remember back in chapter 12 when Nathan told David, out of God's mouth, your sins are forgiven, you won't die. God has forgiven you. David knew that. And he's always like, well, wait a minute. If God can forgive me for what I've done, certainly I can forgive others for the small things that they've done. And that's the lesson here. The lesson here. David knew all too well the heartache of his sin. And he knew all too well the wonderful feeling of forgiveness. He knew all too well that wonderful feeling when he heard Nathan say, God has forgiven you. Oh, it's like an anvil getting off his head. You, if you've accepted Christ as your Savior, if you're walking in a living hope, have that feeling too. You know that your sins are forgiven. You know that God has forgiven you because of His vast and wonderful love for you, because of what He did on a cross. You know that, and that's in your heart. The lifting of a burden that follows true, true repentance. True confession. It's godly sorrow that leads to repentance, Scripture says. Godly sorrow. Not just sorry because you got caught. Godly sorrow in your heart. Godly sorry. What keeps us from forgiving others? The same thing that keeps us from asking for forgiveness is the same thing that keeps us from forgiving others. Pride. Pride. We fail to recognize that we have a few faults, too. We fail to recognize that we have some problems, too. That's why the Scripture says, before you remove the speck in your brother's eye, take the railroad tie, the telephone pole, out of your own eye and then go and ask for your brother. That's why it says that. We fail to recognize, and when we don't recognize our own sin as sin, when we think we are better than others, then we walk around and we have a hard time tolerating somebody else's sin. We have a hard time understanding that they could possibly sin, and we have a hard time forgiving others. Man, I'll tell you, the hardest thing that we can do The hardest thing that we can do in our Christian walk is to allow God to be the mirror of our lives, hold up the mirror through His Word, and look into it. When we hold up the mirror of God's Word and look into it, we see our reflection come back as God sees it, and we go, Oh, Lord, forgive me. Please. Isaiah, I'm a man of unclean lips. A man of unclean lips. That's what we need to do. David understood this all too well. But he also knew that God had called him and anointed him to be king, and he was secure in his relationship with the Lord. If you're not secure in your relationship with the Lord, then you're gonna have some pride. You're gonna be prideful, and you're not gonna forgive others. Because you're not secure. You ever insecure with your Lord. And being secure, he knew God was in control of all things. And he could rely on that because of God's faithfulness, not ours. I can rely on God because God will ever be faithful. See. I don't rely on my own faithfulness. I don't rely on my own righteousness. This is filthy rags. I rely on His faithfulness and His righteousness. I can't rely on my own. Our security is not in our own strength. It's in the Lord's strength. In my own strength, I can't forgive anyone. In my own strength, I can't forgive anyone. But in the strength that God has given me through Jesus Christ, by the Holy Spirit, I can forgive those as I've been forgiven. Isn't that the scripture? David didn't seek revenge. Why? Because revenge is a terrible motivator. If you are motivated by revenge, you are walking a fine line. Do not be motivated by revenge. Oh, he did it to me, so I'm going to do it to him. Wrong. Wrong. Don't be motivated by revenge. It can lead you to all sorts of crazy thinking. That's what road rage is all about. Road rage is revenge. You cut me off. Now I'm going to get you. I'm going to drive behind you, blink my lights, and cut you, you know. It's, revenge is a great motivator. We have to be careful. David didn't let revenge be a motivator. You know what David did? I love this. David let God be God. David let God be God. You know what? I think we need to do that more. We need to let God be God. He does have a plan. And his plan is perfect. And his plan is pure. And he's working out that plan in our lives even now. Even now. David forgave because he was forgiven. He extended himself and fought against his natural instinct. It's natural to be one revenge. That's a natural instinct. But we are not the natural man anymore. We are walking by the Spirit. We are the new man, the new man in Christ Jesus. Shammai cursed David, but David forgave him, just like when we cursed the Lord, or even worse, and he forgave us. Great quote that I have to give you from Spurgeon. Quote, perhaps you have been like Shammai who cursed King David, and you're afraid that Jesus will never forgive you. But David forgot Shammai, and Jesus is ready to forgive you. Jesus delights in mercy. I do believe that the harps of heaven never give to Christ such happiness as when he forgives the ungodly and says, thy sins are forgiven, go in peace. I love that. And for some wild reason, I'm going to end here. I really feel the need to read this to you. One of David's Psalms that really struck my heart as I was studying this, and it came up, and I'm okay, Lord, if that's what you want me to read, I'll have to read it for somebody. Let me read this Psalm to you. It's a Psalm of David. going to recognize it when I read it. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with a loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your mouth is renewed like the eagle's. The Lord execute righteousness, the justice of, for all who are oppressed. He made his way known to Moses and acts the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful, gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, praise God, nor punished us according to our iniquities, praise God. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. For he knows our frame and remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourishes. For the wind passes over it and is gone, and its place remembers it no more. The mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children and to such as keep his covenant and to those who remember his commandments to do them. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, you angels who excel in strength, who do His word, heeding the voice of His word. Bless the Lord, all you hosts, you ministers of His, who do His pleasure. Bless the Lord, all His works and places of His dominion. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. I don't even need to comment on that. That is so glorious, and it was written by David. It was written by David. Oh, man challenge you to go home. Chew on those 22 verses. Just really read them and allow the Lord to expand your heart into what he would like to tell you through those 22 verses. David commanded us to bless the Lord. And David's talking about the inward man. The inward man. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Inward man, bless the Lord. Outward man is perishing, but the inward man is being renewed day by day. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. So quickly, we forget the benefits of serving the Lord. David listed those benefits. We are not to forget the benefits that God has given us. After you read Psalm 103, go back and read Ephesians 1, 2, 3 and see what the Lord has given us through Christ Jesus. Have you accepted that forgiveness? I know that I look around the room, and I know that you've been born again, but we mess up, and we need to come to the Lord in truth. We need to ask His forgiveness. Have you accepted that forgiveness? Have that forgiveness allowed you to forgive others? I pray so. I pray so. You are a sure hope.
0: We'd love to keep studying the Word of God with you, but that's all we have time for today on A Sure Hope. We'd like to invite you to learn more about this program by visiting our website, assurehoperadio.com. There, you'll find our archive of previous messages from Pastor Dave Shank, available to listen to, download, or even share with your friends and family, all free of charge. You can explore more of this series in 2 Samuel or jump to another book of the Bible. Each one gives unique insight into God's plan for you and this world you live in. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. In this busy world, setting time aside to study the Bible in depth is difficult. So we'd like to make that just a bit easier. By subscribing to our podcast, you'll have sound biblical teachings sent right to your smartphone or computer. What a great way to infuse your day with God's Word. If you're looking for a church family and happen to be in the Cape May area, we'd love to have you join us for a time of worship and Bible study right here at Calvary Chapel Cape May. We meet weekly on Sunday at 10 a.m. And you can find all the information you need by visiting assurehoperadio.com. We're gathering in person, but we understand if you're not comfortable with that yet. You can join us for church online through Facebook Live. Just follow the link at assurehoperadio.com. We look forward to worshiping with you, either in person or virtually this weekend. That's all we have time for today. Tune in next time to continue this study in the book of 2 Samuel, right here on Assure Hope.
1: Rescue.